This is the MLW Radio Network. Hey, this is former WWE superstar and ECW original, The Blue Meanie. And Josh Chernoff. And uh, we're excited to announce that Mind of the Meanie is now powered by the MLW Radio Network. Myself and Josh Chernoff will bring you a show every week where we talk about everything from wrestling, movies, sports, and useless knowledge. But most importantly, we have a great group of neighbors there with front row material. Absolutely. Front row material. We've got Mike Freeland. We've got Mikey Whipwreck. And we have got hashtag... This is Jerry Lynn. You're welcome again for that. I love to be here with you guys. I'm glad to call you neighbor. Maybe I'll stop over for uh, some extra coffee or a cup of sugar or have a slice of dropped pie. Ditto. Please tune into Mind and the Meanie. Please keep supporting Front Row Material and we'll be a part of this great MLW radio network. Front Row Material presents The False finish welcome in mikey whipwreck and your host mike freeland mikey how are you uh fat but less fat oh jesus are you are you gonna keep ragging on yourself about the whole weight thing are you still doing the ddp yoga yeah man that's good that's good how are you feeling about that so far good uh flexibility is a little bit better i'm down about 13 pounds oh my god so we're tremendous 199 before you know it. Wow. Well, according Damn. to my app, they said November. Well, I'm I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Weight's a tough thing. Weight is a very tough thing. I'm battling it as we speak right now. I'm not doing so well, but you know what? Every day's a new day. But uh, See, the thing with weight is it's real easy to put on, but taking it off, what a pain in the ass. <laughs> oh, isn't it? Well, well, you're only, what, five years older than I am? 47. 47? Okay. You're a little further than, than than I am, but uh, but see, I don't even have an ass. I don't know what's going on. It's all tailbone, and that's not good. All my all my weight, I look like I'm in my third trimester. That's not good. That's and you're lactating good. already, so that's good. I've been lactating. I tell you what, I'm a medical marvel over here. You know. Now I will say this: my wife did ask me to go to the beach with her, which was a lake with sand. Which that's not a beach. Uh, anyway, she said, "Will you get in the water with me?" Oh God! I I got the man titties. Let's let's that let's that, that that's enough. That's I I'm over I'm over it already this week. That's enough. <laughs> I, I tell you what. It, you let, hear that let's laughing? move on from. Uh, yes, did I hear did that hear that laughing. I did. Let's introduce you know our why? guest. We have a big guest this week. He has been just about anywhere and everywhere, all over the wrestling world. He is in Ring of Honor right now. We're going to chronicle his career and talk to the man that is known as P. CEO. Buddy, how you doing today? I'm great. What about you guys? Uh, you probably heard it already, so. <laughs> well, yeah, it doesn't mean it doesn't go well, like, uh, because it's a little bit harder to drop some weight. You know, it can, can have a wonderful life anyways. You know That's what? Right. I love your I love your outlook. That is good. You know, it's it's <laughs> it's all about enjoying yourself, regardless of your tit size. And, and mine... <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm an F right now, which which is not good. But half the women on the street are jealous of me when I water the garden. So what can I say? That's awesome. But uh, wow, so many things we want to talk to you about this week. And the first thing I want to mention to you is how are you doing with all the, the coronavirus and the quarantining? I know the wrestling world has been has been up and down and crazy. So how has all of this affected you? For me, uh I've been busier than I was when I was on the road, so it's it's been more more project trying to, you know, be ahead of everybody uh, as far as when we're coming back, you know, trying to stay uh, busy with videos and content and uh, all kind of stuff, you know, uh, that is going on in the meantime. And uh, very very busy. Got the the chance to be able to shoot like every week. Different different contents for PCO Justice on on social media, the web series on every Monday night, 7:45, and um, I mean that's been great. And also, you know, just I think everybody's doing the same. You know, we're, we're just trying to work out so hard that when everything starts back, you know, uh, we take this time to uh, get an edge. I'm trying to get an edge on everyone else who maybe don't have the chance to 
have a private gym or to go to a private place that's not public, that's not, you know, uh, uh, under, you know, the rules of uh, the state or the city where, where, where they're living at. So just trying to take advantage uh, of the possibilities, you know, and the, uh, the, things, the things that I've got, you know, going for me. Well, you've had an incredible career that has basically taken you into all the major wrestling co- companies, not only in the United States, but over in different parts of the, the world. I think the one thing that fascinates me about you is the fact that you're able to evolve. And Mikey has talked about this a lot. It's all about evolving. It's all about changing and, you know, going from your original gimmick to obviously you had gone to the pirate gimmick and now you're into the, the PCO version of your career. What was the what was the thing that made you decide, you know what, I think I'm going to go in this new direction with this more of a monster personality? Because I think a lot of people are digging it. Well, I think, uh, and I've answered like uh, a lot of people about different questions about characters and gimmicks. And, uh, you know, sometimes when I do seminars and people ask me, how do you find the gimmick? How do you find your gimmick? How do you find something that that's going to work for you or that you're going to feel comfortable with it? And in my case, I was not even looking for something, but uh, the character found me. I didn't find the character. It was the other way around. Uh, I think uh, something like, you know, sometimes they say, uh, you know, when the student is ready, the uh, the master will show up or something like that. You know, it goes uh, along those lines. And uh, that's, that's the way I feel with a character. I feel like uh, when you're ready to get something good, that the things are just... Uh, you know, taking place, and uh, for me, it was like meeting uh, Destro, Mike Roy, who is uh, a guy, uh, the strongest guy in the world with his bare hands, and uh, and when I started training with him, he was also a big, uh, very passionate by monster movies. I was getting ready for the match against Walter during the WrestleMania 34, the weekend, when everything started to really... Oh, things that already started to to go pretty crazy for me, but that was the big turnover, the Walter match in uh, Louisiana. Uh, but I was, you know, shooting some promos for Walter, and then I eventually I just got up, got out of the uh, cage, the squat cage, and I was walking away from Destro, and he says, "Stop, stop, stop, stop." He said, "You are." The monster Frankenstein, just the way you walk, just the way you move. I just, it just had like a flash in my brain, in my head, and that's it. You are him. And then it just happened that um, after that match with Walter, it went viral on social medias and everywhere in the wrestling world. The match, how the match was, you know, like reviewed and good comments on it and everything's probably one of the best match of my whole career. And it was, everything was saying the resurrection of PCO. Now you look at the movie and the doctor makes a monster with someone who's dead with the electricity. So without knowing it, like everything was matching, you know, it was matching what happened in New Orleans, what matching, what I would, what I just started to do like a few months ago, and it, it was not like voluntary, you know. It just, it just clicked. It just happened. It was just life throwing like a good piece of chunk at me <laughs> for once, you know. Now, but it was, uh, it, it was something that uh, I never, never, I never was a big fan of Frankenstein or those movies or, or this, but I see. That Frankenstein monster tattooed on a lot of wrestlers, a lot of girls. It's 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 quite like something big, you know. It's pretty big as a movie. It's one of the biggest. It's probably one of the most well-known name, you know, all over the world. I would say. And never in my imagination I would think that I would become like that monster in the ring. But because uh, I thought it was an ugly monster, I thought you know it was like 
I don't know. Like for me, you know, like Frankenstein looked like Claude Julian, you know, the former the coach of Montreal Canadiens or <laughs> former Bruins <laughs> coach. But uh, that was the image I had about that monster. I didn't know much about it, but since I became that character, I watched a lot of the movies and the character and then and trying to, you know, go in like this way a little bit. And that's it. You know, it's a derivative of, uh, you know, of the Hulk, the green Hulk, the, the Lou Ferrigno Hulk. You know, it's, yes. it's, it's a follow-up on the Frankensteins. I've, I've learned a lot of things, and I've, a lot of people taught me a lot of things about my own character. So it's just, and you're talking about the evolution and evolving. Even starting in 2017, all the way up to now, it's been the I've been evolving also in, in different ways. So yeah, that's the name of the game. I think, you know, we've got to be able to evolve with what wrestling is today and where it's going and, and all those points, you know, that's, uh, that's the name of the game. I think I was on that show with you. That's that's spring break, right? That annoying oh, yeah. Is that where it was? I yeah, was in that, yeah. I was in that clusterfuck match with the invisible. Oh, man. okay, 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 man. That, oh, okay. Well, I remember watching it. We, I mean, it was a sell it at the curtain watching this, and I'm yeah. just, I just remember watching you and Walter, and I'm going, this is the most brutal physical match I've ever seen. That close. I mean, you see stuff on you know from Japan and stuff, but when you see that stuff up close, and you and Walter were definitely laying that shit in, and that was. I, I asked you when you came back, you probably don't remember, I said, how the fuck did you do that? <laughs> it was unbelievable. Yeah, it was uh, something that, I'm. Uh, it's just, uh, I was, you know, you know, that's like, and when Joey Janela, you know, we discussed that, and Danny DeMento, that I've, I've worked with him before, and they asked me to go and do this match with Walter, they said, we would like you to drive there, you know? So I drove from Montreal there. Boy. And it was like, just to make that one 25-minute match, you know, it was like 40 hours to get there and 40 oh. hours to get back. And I did the 40 in a row because I didn't have time to sleep when I left. I thought it was, I didn't go on a GPS either. You know, I look at a map quickly and I thought, you know, it was near... I said, left is going to be Florida, right is going to be New Orleans. And and as I was going there, and some I was calling once in a while, you know, Destro, and he was asking me how the road was. I'm a guy that, you know, I don't care driving by myself, and I don't feel lonely never, you know. Like, uh, I I feel good, you know, alone with myself. It's, it's something that, that doesn't bother me at all. But it was a long ride, but... All the way getting there, it's just, you're just getting pumped, you know. You know, you know, you're like 50 years old or 49, I think I was at the time. You know, I knew I had to really seal the show, like to do something very special with that match. And a lot of things that played in my favor that I didn't know. Like, first of all, when George asked me about Walter, like, I was not following the Indy Wrestling that much. I had an eye on it, but I was not a big, you know, follower of all the indies. And, and so I, I, I said, who is Walter? He says, no, he's all, <laughs> he's like pro wrestling guerrilla world champion and this and that. And he's over everywhere. And he does a lot of things. The big, strong, tall Austrian guy. So I got there and I early enough so I could watch, uh, I think Walter like worked like two other times that day. He had a match and a tag match against Suzuki and Suzuki's partner, which I, I can't remember his name. That was the other, you know, like the, the show without the ropes and everything. No, no old bars, but something like that. And, uh, and I had another match too. So I think he had like three matches that day. And the, the last one was against, you know, it was at midnight. So, uh, but I really like. Uh, I took him on the side and I told him how much, you know, how important that match was for me. And then he said, "We worked together before." He, he he told me that. I said, "Oh yeah, when?" And then he said, "In Germany, uh, 16 carat. You know, we had a six man tag." And then 
I remembered like he was just 18 at that time, you know, so it's, it was like 10 years ago that me and Walter had worked together, but it, it was enough to create that little chemistry. You know what I'm saying, Mikey? Mikey? You know, like, uh, yeah. when when you had work, you have, even if it's a long time ago and you knew you had like a, a good match with that guy and you had good memory and so it helps create that, uh, that trust or, you know, that, that, that little spark that maybe that you need in order to, you know, to pull out a good performance like that. So, uh, it was, it was cool. You know, I, I really, and he was super, uh, polite with me and, uh, he wanted to have a good match. So, uh, it was not, you know, I didn't have to push or shove anything, you know, it, it came out just the way that I, I had dreamed about something like that to come out. You know, it's, uh, a cold reaction from the beginning because it had been on the indie circuit at all. I had maybe worked only in Canada, a few indies and a few ones in the States, not that many. And the one that I did in Indiana for uh, Black Label Pro in Indiana, Joey Janela was there, a bunch of the boys were there. And that's what Joey called Demento and brought Lauderdale. And then they asked me to, to do the match against Walter. And uh, I had a good match against uh, Hall Ego Ethan Page there, Black Label Pro. So that was, uh, I was sold out at the curtain there too. When I got to New Orleans, I was pumped. I wanted to do good. And, uh, and Walter was receptive. You did more than good. I was about I to mean, say, that was more than good. That was, uh, I that remember, was iconic I in a lot of people's minds. They, they both came through the curtain, and their chests were, like, beat red. Like they had sunburn from, like, the surface of the sun. That's how red their chests were. <laughs> and I was doing, like, podcasts before that show. Oh. And I was doing, like, I was talking to the fans, and everybody was saying, when Walter chops you, you got to go down, man. If not, he's going to kill you. you got to go down. Don't exchange with him. And in my mind, I say, okay, now I know what I've got to do. I've now got to challenge. I got to trade. I got to <laughs> trade with Walter. That's what the people want because nobody like traded with him that much. So I guess that was the big thing. Now you know, I was trading one for one. You know, pretty much the whole time. Like eventually, you know, he got like fed up at one point. I said, okay, now bump. <laughs> <laughs> please <laughs> bump now, please. <laughs> But I mean, you guys, you guys had the standing ovation when they left, and then you guys came through the curtain. And I don't know if it was the next match or the match after. The kids are looking at me. They're going, "Mikey, like, how do we top that? What are we supposed to do?" And I went, "Pray." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, they they gave us a, a fresh spot on the card. You know, we were third, so it was like. Because they know, you know, main eventing that, it's tough because uh, people are getting tired at four in the morning and things like that. So that was a tough spot for uh, for Joey uh, and, and they did great with Sasuke. Uh, and you yeah. guys, you guys on the clusterfuck match, that was <laughs> a hell of a show. No, but people were popping big time for that match too. So uh, it was a good, it was a very good. Pretty large crowd too, so I was it really was happy. Yeah, and the, they were into it. Yeah, the thing with that clusterfuck is they had on the, on the lineup, you know, the you know like the or you going in, and it yeah. said like three before me. It said Invisible Man. Yeah, and I, I got know that's okay. their big so, star. <laughs> well, so the kids are going through the stuff in the back, and okay, and the Invisible Man will do this, this, this. I'm saying, okay, so I'm thinking it's some surprise. Yeah. Right. But okay, well they don't want to say who it is. They don't want it to leak on the internet who this guy is so i'm waiting there now next thing i know i said okay the invisible man i said okay so the music hits and i'm looking you know in the i'm looking at the curtain there's nobody there i said okay so i start looking at the crowd i said well maybe he's coming through the crowd and i'm looking nothing then i see the curtain opens up and the place pops and i'm going yeah did i miss the guy like what and then, and then i see they're actually in the ring doing spots with an invisible man I was and just the, like you. I couldn't believe it. And the people were going crazy. Yeah. Uh, and they, they even got the commission into it because they had the one guy, Jimmy Lloyd. Yeah. He gave him a pile driver and got disqualified. <laughs> I said, what? Oh, yeah. That's one thing with the commission there, too. When I did the, the moonsault of the top row onto 
Walter and the referee, they kind of got me only by the tip of my toes. So I opened up my nose. I was bleeding. I was hoping like they wouldn't stop the match. Oh. That's crazy. Yeah, this, this trick down there, you had to get the blood test and everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was tough. I mean, I mean, you had to, you know, not to bleed. And so you're, you're just... You're just uh, hoping your an accident won't happen, you know. That's yep. at that point. Uh, yeah. For me, you know, that's the match of my life. I'm hoping at least, you know, I won't get uh, open in the hard way, you know, in a hard way. So uh, I was a little bit like uh, worried when I started bleeding. Yeah, uh, and they, then you figure, they, who knows? A, a little bit of color, a little bit more. They should. Yeah, it could have been stopped. Who knows, yeah. Who, who knows how your thing would have turned out? Yeah, it depends oh. who is uh, in charge of the commission and the way they, they're thinking. If they think this this guy maybe did it on purpose or whatever, it depends, you know. So I was lucky on that on that side. Uh, all, all, thinking... all, all the all the things uh, were clicking for me. And what yeah. what really uh, stroked my my imagination or what I was really happy about the match when I was rewatching it back home is um, on the big trade and when I started to hit like a few like uh, split-legged moonsault and some of the big uh, like mm-hmm. the moonsaults and stuff it's just like just the crowd just were from being cold to uh, almost erupting all together at one point of the match and standing up from half of the match all the way to the end you know on the tip of their toes so that was oh, that was such a feeling. Like for me, it felt like Rocky Four, literally. Like that's the image that I had. Just watching that, it's like okay, Rocky Four when he went to Russia and so cold and yep. you know that much noise and out of nowhere, boom, big explosion. You know, so I was so happy with the end result. What What was the point in that match? Do you remember when you said? Yes, we got him. Uh, yeah, I think uh, if, even like before we started like trading, I think when when he started the heat that he power bombed me onto like a table, and then that kind of set up where later on I was gonna block him and go to the top and moonsault on the odd side, and continued my comeback from there. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's when I I knew like we had hooked the crowd pretty solid. Oh, you had them. There's no doubt dur- dur- during Walter's heat, but uh, yeah, it's just. Uh, but the, I think the main thing was the, the trade, uh, the chop chops trade. That was the big. That was a big m- moment in the match. It was trade, trade, trade. It was then me on top from one corner to the other corner, him firing up, you know, from the other corner back again to the other corner, me fighting back again from one corner to half of the ring and then, you know, some spots there. So it's a long, you know, whatever, 18 feet, you know, across one side, just chop, 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 chop. And then the other guy chopped, chop, chop, and also it's a, uh, it was a good, good trade, a long trade, and uh, that's when everybody kind of start getting up and everything with all the couple of uh, aerial moves and things like that. It, so I always found it funny that uh, people that go to those shows late at night, you know, they're they're kind of smart. You know, what I mean, they they kind of know what the deal is, and they love when two people beat the shit out of each other. They love they love it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I think like any good movies or any things that we do, when you have a little bit of reality, you know. And for me, a reality is not like you throw a, a punch that do, doesn't look good at all, and you break someone's someone's jaw. Right. To me, that's not real either, even if it's real. For me, the reality is when you know you wind up, you know. 10 feet behind your shoulder and then you hit a, a good chop and then back and forth. But, you know, I, I've, I've worked Walter like many times after that, but even though we had good matches, we, we never topped that first match. 
we never topped. I mean, we had good matches together all the time, but we could never top that New Orleans match. It was just a special match, a special moment. You know, one of those deals that it happens once in a while. Yeah, that was. I mean, you hit on all cylinders. I mean, you hit, you were hitting strikes, home runs, and everything. Yeah, I, I mean, whenever things going right, you know, everything's going right. There's nothing you can't do. All the stars were aligned for for that yeah. night. I, I mean, when I say all the stars, I mean, you know, like even picking up, like even if it's not important for a lot of people, probably not important. But uh, even picking up the win was not even part of the deal when I spoke to them. And right. I never, I, I never went. And I never like try to be political about it. I I am not a big guy's big guy on politics. You know, I'm not the the type of guy that go behind the scene and you know, oh maybe you could do this that way that way. You know, I'm not big on that. You know, that was just destiny. You know, change of finish the the, the same night because well at first he was PWG world champion and when he dropped the title, I guess they felt that. It was going to be a good moment if I was going over, and it just happened like that without me saying anything. And that was just a cherry on top of everything. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like I was there to do, you know, still the show, win or lose. I didn't care. You know, I just wanted to show what I could do. But when they say on top of that, you know, you, you know, we think it's good if you win. Uh, well, Thanks God, you know, it's like the whole package, you know, like everything was, like I said, they couldn't have orchestrated like anything any better than that. That was the best scenario possible. Like a perfect for, night. For, for me, a perfect night. And I think, I think it helped. I, I, I think it would have made it to NXT anyways. Walter would have made it to WWE anyways. He was, you know, this major star. Uh, didn't need that on his resume to add up to his uh, whatever accomplishments, but uh, I think it's a good uh, it's a good thing on his resume as well that uh, the, the, we had a great match together. Yeah, because I I heard the name of him of Walter before, but I never saw him. Okay, well, I started after that match. I started going back and looking. I'm going, geez, this guy's a stud. And yeah, he uh, he's got a good style. I mean, he's very different. It works very differently uh, than, than many of the young guys. Like he's 28, and uh, he gets over, and uh, that, that's a rough stuff, you know, to to, to wrestle like that every night. Because you know, it's you want to give some, you got to be able to receive some. So some night, you know, he's gonna have to go against guys, guys like like me that that will trade, and then that's part of his style. So now he's it's going to stick to it. Speaking of the the Walter match, what would you say in your your personal vault are the matches that you felt you were the most proud of in addition to this one? Which ones, you know, prior to that, would you say, you know what, that was a special moment, uh, the stars were aligned again? Yeah, I did uh, two matches, two incredible, I think, for me, they were incredible for me, two incredible matches back-to-back with Brett, and a lot of people are talking about the In Your House 3. They're talking about that match. That comes up so many times. It was also part of uh, one of the top 10 Brett's favorite matches of his career on the uh, Brett Art Dungeon Collection, the DVD collection. Yes. So so just uh, had the privilege to be chosen, to be you know, included in the, those discs and his favorite matches so that 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 meant a lot to me that means a lot to me but the next night I don't know Vince liked the match that much that he had like uh, the rematch on Raw the next night the crowd uh, we're, we're we're open up we're opening up on Raw the next night it's not like we're like semi-main event on in your house three so that the match was all, was hot the Sunday night on the pay per view, so we're opening on Raw, fresh, you know, 
10, 15,000 people, fresh, 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 ready for war. And, uh, and that was another, like, for me, that next, that the Monday night was maybe a notch, not that much, you know, the match was probably as good. They were both as good as, as each other, but the reaction was so, we had such a fresh crowd that they were into everything that we did. So, uh, uh, so those two Bret Hart matches, winning the titles for WWE, the tag titles against the Steiner brothers, that was another, like, maybe not one of my favorite matches, but a good moment. But another of my favorite matches was um, the Jacques Rougeau retirement match. That was in Montreal, and... Um, it was very special because uh, we were main eventing uh, a show and uh, sold out 18,500 people. And then when you work on top, and then it, it, it felt like a WrestleMania because it was it's just a house show, but it sold out. And then you have so many great names working on the undercard, you know, like Taker, Yokozuna, uh, Razor Ramon, uh, Jeff Jarrett, uh, Shawn Michaels, uh, Bret Hart, Jim Neidhart, Hohen Hart, yeah, Double J was there, Adam Bomb. It was like 10 or 12 matches. So usually you had like A Town, B Town, C Town. Uh, the full roster was like a TV taping. All the roster was working on that show. So, uh, it was huge. Vince had traveled from New York to Montreal. Bruce Richard, uh, Briscoe's, Jerry Briscoe, the whole, you know, office was there. And for me, it was on the transition. It was the, it was now uh, Quebecer Pierre against Quebecer Jacques, retirement match of Rock Rougeau. So for me, it was the, uh, big uh, opportunity to show that I could work on top, that I could main event any shows for the company. And it was a big boost to my confidence and also a big boost with, with Vince that was really prized. Uh, he knew that I could work, but I think having him calling me and then sending me a $5,000 bonus for that night, I think it was it was something that made the whole the whole evening so special for me. So it was one of my greatest moments. Looking back at your time in the WWF, I mean, obviously you found a lot of success. Do you feel like you had many opportunities you wish you could have had? Or do you feel like, you know, I think they, they did me well as far as giving you opportunities? Uh, I think uh, I, I kind of... Being young, you know, like when all that success happened with Jock on his retirement match, and I had been like three times, you know, three runs in one year. And so it was pretty much a full year as with the tag straps and, uh, at that time. And uh, selling out the building and having like a five-star match. And we had another five-star match, uh, Royal Rumble 94 against the Hearts, against Brendan Owen. And he had like good plans for me and he, you know, from, it was from like, I remember when I first started, like it took probably a year just before I could have a conversation with Vince and being able to talk to him, you know, like he would avoid me or turn his back or talk to someone or hug someone more important or anything like that. And it got to a point where I told, I told Jacques, cause Jacques had a good relationship with Vince because he had been there for quite a long time with his brother Ray before and you know he had like uh, he could call the office and uh, he could have Vince on the line and talk to him so you know he would go to the secretary and was able to have Vince on the line that's how tight he was with Vince and uh, so they would always like see each other and uh, downstairs or whatever at the arena and they would talk and I would and I would tell Jacques I don't know what's wrong but like every time that I see him I go to shake his hand he turns around and shakes someone's hand someone else's hand or he pretends that he has he hasn't seen me or so Jacques instead of like 
you know, pep talking me into like, no, don't worry, I'll talk to him, I'll make sure everything's all right. He tells Vince, but but uh, they put a rib on me. Like um, now, Jacques talking to Vince. So I'm coming facing Vince and Jacques, and I go to shake Vince's hand. And when I put my hand, like, hey, Vince, he turns around. He goes, Nikolai, and he hugs him very hard. You know, welcome. <laughs> and I go, I go to Jacques. You see what I've told you? And I told him in French. See, I told you, you know, it's always that same bullshit. And Vince turned around is <laughs> cracking, you know, like having so much fun. Like they pulled that rib on me and he said, no, so just grab me by your shoulder or grab me by the arm. And no, there's no problem. I'll always talk to you. You know, we're, we're very happy to have you with us, blah, blah, blah. So I, from that point on, you know, it kind of broke the ice and uh, even like, uh, after those matches and the retirement match. So I kind of built a, a, built a good friendship with Vince, even if it was business, you know, I felt like, you know, I had something solid going on with, with him. And, uh, as Jean-Pierre Lafitte, I was like undefeated for eight months. And I remember I was traveling with triple H and we're like betting. because he had the same undefeated, streak than I had like so we're traveling together and we start betting who's gonna job first you know who's gonna lay down first so I think it was me first because I had like my run coming against Brett and uh I think he said you're gonna be a sharpshooter tonight so I'll, I'll win that streak but he was not like um, Paul Triple H was not into was not with Stephanie yet. It was not with China. That was the beginning, beginning, beginning. It was Hunter Hearst Hemsley. The thing that why we hit like a good, pretty good friendship together at first. Uh, I remember when he came in from WCW and it was his first TV taping. And like, you know, when you're new in a dressing room and you're young and you try to make, okay, I'm going to sit there, but everybody tosses his thing so you can't sit there and everybody's stuff. So you couldn't find a place to sit in the, in the, in, in the, in the locker room. And then I pull some of my stuff uh, off the, the bench and say, I right, hear you can go and sit there, you know? So that's how we started the talk. And uh, I kind of, I, I, I kind of, not that I did, didn't help him out, you know, but I made some room for him at least that he could lace his boots and, have a decent spot, you know, to start with the company. That was day one. So after that, we had a little connection there. So we traveled, you know, for, I don't know, a few weeks or, and eventually he had moved up, you know, and became friends with Sean and Kevin Nash and all the other guys. They formed a clique and everything, but I never had any beef with Paul during my career, or if he, if, if, he, if he did have beef with me, it was behind my back, but face-to-face, -face, I always felt like, you know, my beef was mostly with, uh, more with Diesel and, and, and Sean, with, with Kevin and Sean, but uh, we worked it all out, you know, over the course of the years. Now I'm a pretty good friend with Kevin Nash every time I see him. I do have a lot of fun, and I, I think it's he's funny, and uh, I don't know why. It's just uh, it was uh, I was just young, and and I got you know I got trapped in those situations where you're young on the road and uh, you're traveling with one group, and everybody's bashing the other group and if you're in one car they're talking about that the other car. and it, it's still like that in wrestling I mean, in, in life in general you know so uh that's a, a lot of lessons lessons that i've learned uh on the road i try to keep everything for myself as as much as i can and uh just try to not not talk about the business when i'm traveling with other guys you know uh as if I don't have anything good to say about somebody, or uh, I'd rather not to talk, you know. So I got cut up, you know. Uh, it was so much heat, you know. There's so many guys that didn't like Sean or didn't like Kevin, and because sometimes they were just 
you know, bragging. I think they would be the first to to admit that uh, they they were like pretty. Uh, Sean was so confident, you know, that he, he could come out after a match and could say, try to beat that, you know, and to be so loud about it. And just, uh, it was like, yeah, it was, I don't know, I, I would have, I would have, if I, if I know everything that I know now, I would have dealt differently with, with, uh, with those guys, but, uh, it made the, made the, the route that I that I am in right now, you know, without all those things that would have happened, like, uh, it would have been just a different uh, destiny for me. Uh, now, it made me the way that I am now, and it made the, the success that I'm having. I've learned from mistakes. I've learned from a lot of things. Uh, and, I, I, and I really do think that 20 to 30, 32, Two, I think it's 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 young to because when you sign a, a big deal with WWE or any major companies that you know few hundred thousand dollars per year going from being broke on the road in Puerto Rico making you know five hundred a, a week and having to pay for the rental of your room and being broke all the time and having your mom to Western Union use some money here and there because you, you, you can't really respect your budget because you're not making enough money for everything that you have to spend. And then overnight, you know, you get a big check of, let's say, 20 grand for one week of work. And it's hard to cope with that. You know, it's uh, at 25, 26, 27. It's like, it's really, really young. It's a lot of things. And uh, Mikey, you would agree with me that, you know, while people think we wrestle every night and we're, you know, entertaining fans every night, life goes on. I mean, you know, we have situations yes, in our in our family. We have to take care of different things. Uh, your mom, your dad, your sister, your brother, uh, your friends around, and and then then when you start making money, then you start to having like friends who ask you for favors, and then you it creates <laughs> other it creates other stress that you didn't have before. But it's not like it's it's it's, it's a no ending, you know, street. But uh, it's just when you don't know how to cope with all that, you know, because life is still running, and you're. You know, even if you're wrestling or if you're doing this, even if you're on the road, when like I, when I did the garden last year, it was sold out. You know, 18, what twenty-one thousand people? It was probably a, the nicest, the biggest entrance of my life. You know, like maybe one of the greatest wrestling entrance in, in wrestling history. I mean, it was an awesome entrance. The electric chair, and they had so much budget on. Everything on the screen, on the everything that was exploding, the strikes and the, the lightnings and everything. It's it was just like unbelievable. But next morning, I had to be there for my daughter, and I had the uh, Destro had like uh, he's a personal trainer, had to train you know like people and things like that, you know. Uh, it doesn't mean that your 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 toilet won't block or anything like you won't have to call a someone to repair your, something on your roof or whatever. You know, life just goes on, and and sometimes the fans they they don't realize that even though that we're on the road and we're wrestling and we're entertaining people, life still goes on, and uh, so we have the stress of all the rest on top of our job, which is okay because everybody's got a job but that's it's also a job so that's my point i guess yeah. but um, but but on top of that it's just going from being broke and trying to make it and when will you make it and then suddenly you have like an overflow of money and you just it just it's just hard it just it goes to your head i it did for me it did for me at, at a young age you know uh, at that time, you know, I could maybe go out and go to a bar and say, hey, I would like to have that whole bar just 
just close it. They'll just keep it open for me and my VIP people. You know, I would do things like that. So, yeah. so you know, eventually, it, it's just like I wouldn't. I don't even go out anymore. You know, I get. I've done it. I've been there. I've done that, and I realized that it was nothing good for me there. But uh, and I'm saying that without you know, I'm not a uh, involved in any practical. You know, I'm not a born again or not AA or anything like that. But just out of my own experience, I took lessons on my own. I guess uh, just going through some tough times at one point in my life. You know, it, it was pretty tough. So uh, I just when I made that comeback against Walter, it was also, and I say that sometimes. Uh, at one point, you, you think it's everyone's fault if you didn't succeed. You blame the company. You blame the clique. You blame Shawn Michaels. You blame Kevin Nash. You blame Vince McMahon. You blame, you blame, you blame everybody. And then eventually, I don't know, like, you, you look at them and it's like more or less like a mirror of yourself and then then you realize that okay success start with yourself it doesn't start with the others so then you start working on your own self yep. trying to be a better person trying to to be the greatest at everything that you do that means like even if you have to shovel the snow in your entrance if you have to uh, my mom helps me to bring, uh, cat's food, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. all kinds of things. And I'm trying to be the greatest at everything that I do. So I'm just, and then when I was a young, I wanted just to be the greatest wrestler in the ring, but I didn't know in order to be the greatest wrestler in the ring, I needed to be the greatest person, not just in the ring, but in the gym and, my relationship with people and everything that I do, do it the best that I can do. I'm still a human being. Sometimes it's not a hundred percent, but my target is to be the greatest at everything I do in specific, like regular things in life. And I think then when I hit that match with Walter, I had been working on myself for quite a few years. And I think it was, uh, it was just a uh, payoff of uh, what I had been working on and believing in. And, uh, yeah, that was the big payoff for me. I saw the uh, the documentary that you did, and, and uh, I thought it was really good. Very, very motivational. Um, I know those are words that a lot of people have put into the comment section, but how did that all come about? How did the documentary come about? And how did you decide that this was the right time to kind of open up on a personal level and kind of talk about life, not only with wrestling, but on your personal life as well? So tell me a little bit about the uh, the documentary. Well, actually, that's another thing that just happened like that. I mean, nothing was really planned. Uh, I was working in uh, Virginia for an indie and uh, Kenny Johnson, I don't know, he was like two or three hours away from there. And he had already started to do his, like uh, on his uh, YouTube channel. Uh, he was already, he had done a great one on Joy Janela and then a few others. And then he had done probably 40, 30 or 20, I don't know, a bunch. And then he asked me if we could spend like two, three hours together and then he would put up like something together, a documentary. And then I said, yeah, I'm interested. And then I don't know, like, yeah, I just, just talk, spoke with my heart. And, uh, so yeah, yeah it's just, just out of the blue like that. That's like I said, you know, I've been, wor I've been working on myself a lot and, uh, I just felt like, yeah, if my, my story can inspire someone else you know then, then it's great because you know i had been i've been inspired by a lot of guys you know and i think that's the 
that's the thing, you know. That's uh, that's cool. Like I've been inspired. If I inspire others, it's like it's just life. Just as the way life is. That's how it is. So uh, I was just happy to do it, and was just hoping to contribute a little bit to maybe if my story can help someone else, you know, to, to think, okay, I'm not gonna do something that I don't like for the rest of my life. Maybe I'll try to do something that I, it's really a passion and something that I desire. The name is Burn the Ships. Burn the, <laughs> burn the Ships. ships yep. <laughs> burn the Bridge is not that good. <laughs> but Burn the Ships. <laughs> burn the Ships. It's a, it's, a, it's a story and a book that I've read. I can't remember, but it's something about the war where, you know, the were a bunch of soldiers and they went to war and they burned their bridges so the only way they could survive it was by winning so that's where I got the uh, the metaphor I did that many times <laughs> it's, I, I died a few times uh, I remember in 2008 I, I quit like a solid job where I was doing like commentary I had been doing commentary for TNA in French here in Montreal, and I was paying. I was getting paid a lot of money for one hour per week. Let's say two hours with traveling, but one hour of like doing commentary in French, just dubbing, you know, what TNA was doing, and um, had good chemistry with my um, the play-by-play guy. And out of nowhere, after three years. I was uh, 39 years old, and I said, uh, well, I'm quitting today. <laughs> Everybody, what? <laughs> Everybody went, what? What's going on with you? I said, no, I'm not at the right place. <laughs> I want to be I want to be a world champion in wrestling. I want to mean something in that business. I'm not a commentator. Not yet. I'm too young for that. And uh, I mean... Uh, I went to England and I spoke to Vince a few times, had a few tryouts, and it was a big catastrophe. <laughs> Nothing worked out. Uh, it was uh, it was a disaster, and uh, it was it took me a lot, you know, uh, when I did it again with with Walter that year when I. They quit everything, and I decided I was just gonna wrestle full time. Uh, my family thought I was pretty crazy. <laughs> All right, that is PCO. Man, there were so many things that he went into, so many great stories. It, it's got to be kind of cool for, for for you, Mikey, to be able to reminisce with people who share those same experiences and that same passion for this industry. It's always good. I always I tell Jerry and I tell. You know, the guys I talked to said, I don't miss the wrestling part, really. I miss the crowds. I miss the crowd interaction, which I can get if I guest ref or something like that. But what I what I really miss is the boys, you know, just sitting, goofing off, having a good time, busting each other's chops, making each other laugh, you know, just reminiscing about old times. So that's, it's always fun to do that. Guys, if you're enjoying this, we got good news for you. Did I behave gonna myself be- you did behave yourself. You did. I mean, in the beginning, maybe not so much, but you know what? <laughs> like, uh, like the great rock and roll uh, legends. It's not how you start the show; it's how you end it. Rick Derringer. Yes. You said rock and roll legend. Yes. So I said, was that Rick Derringer? You did. You did. My bad. I was got that. that. I'm sorry. You're breaking up. <laughs> you're full of shit. I'm crystal clear, motherfucker. <laughs> If you guys enjoyed that, guess what? There's going to be part two. There's going to be more PCO. Part two? We were on this for fucking five hours. I know. I know. There's going to be more of it, guys. So if you you enjoyed part one, you're going to be digging part two as well. Uh, Like we talked about, you know, definitely follow him on all the social media platforms. It is PCO is not human. And he's on TikTok. He's on Instagram. He is on Twitter. And the YouTube is unbelievable follow him each and every monday night new episodes he and destro and also i had uh come across this and i'm not sure if you've watched it yet mikey but the pco documentary which is you gotta see it you have to see the documentary guys i'm gonna upload a clip of it to our uh 
Twitter account so you guys can check that out. It really, really shows, yes, it definitely does pull back the curtain. Good stuff. So, um, also, I do want to mention if you guys would not mind cruising on over to iTunes and giving us a five-star review, let us know what you think about the show. We do greatly appreciate all of the listeners and what they have to say. You know, maybe it's something that you liked. Maybe it's something that you were surprised that you heard. Share your sentiments and your comments, and you can even leave comments about things that you would like to hear in the future because we are always open to feedback. And if you are so inclined, you can cruise oh, on over to Pro Here's Wrestling Tees. Go ahead and get yourself. Walking off the shelves. Suck my butt. Blah, blah, blah. I've dropped the flying off the shelves thing i realize now that's not gonna work i realize i'm not don west drop the whole fucking thing that's not nice people have bought shirts it's a waste of airtime this is this is this is prime real estate people looking to get on here this is true we have the (laughs) 1734,000 ranked episode of podcasting oh my god you're a mess you you are nothing short of a mess but we love you anyway. E.J. Miller, Frank the Mailman, Kitchen Faucet, Mike Unit. You see, he changed. You see, he changed his name. I did see he changed his name, and I hope it wasn't because of public pressure. I hope. Well, now when, I, when it comes to, I know exactly who it is. Right. This is true. Mike see, Unit. it's instant it's recall. It's Mike Unit, the Mike World Order. Jesse Rodriguez, the Mike World Order. You, know you got a what? Who? Je- Jesse Rodriguez. Who the fuck is that? Is part of the Mike World Order. You do know this, don't you? No. I only care about Mike Unit. I'm not about no Jesse Ra- Rodriguez. Oh. Ramirez. What'd you say? Jesse Rodriguez. Jesse R. You got to keep up with this man. The, the MWO is expanding. So is your waistline. Oh, that doesn't mean we need to talk about wow. it. Wow. Wow, that's, you know what? God, uh, I'm going to tell you right now. Once we do that official weigh-in, you're going to be eating some crow, my friend. Crow. Um, official weigh-in. I'm already losing weight. So I'm behind the eight, eight ball already here. You are or are not losing weight? I am. But this is fantastic. I'm happy for you. But I'm saying I will beat you. You're going to weigh less than me. I'm going to weigh less than you, whatever day we choose to pick. You're not going to weigh less than you. There's no way. I don't know. How tall are you? Does it matter? Let's think about it. Okay, how tall are you? Uh... What is this? It's going to be one of those, I didn't realize he stacked shit that high. Is that what you're going to say? No, I'm going to ask me how tall you are. Fuck. Why? Are you going to try to look up my BMI or some bullshit like that? Or what I should technically well, when I look weigh? look up your BMI, it's going to say a lot. <laughs> Jesus. You are cruel. No, friends like you, who, who needs enemies? My friends all know, if I'm not making fun of you, or I'm not busting your balls, there's a problem. You're not in the inner circle, right? That's right. Do you want to do a couple shout-outs real quick? Josh Ritter, thank you so much for hitting me up. Josh Chernoff from The Mind of the Meanie. Um, also, like I said, Jesse Rodriguez, uh, Christopher, Juice Pro Wrestling, awesome. And once again, I've been wearing the shit out of my Shining Wizards podcast shirt and been getting a lot of hey, comments on the streets. Hey, hey, I wash it. I wash it. It's got to get peeled off me, but I wash it. Jesus. I am Forge. I tell you what, good dude right there. We, like I said before, we uh, made a Bo- connection. Who? I am Forge at Forge, oh, Forge NYWC. Oh, fucking pardon me. I need to turn up the fucking crank. Good God almighty. Get your, get your hearing aid ready. Thomas Fossetti, Trent Zaberry, Rogue fucking, Time Lord. These, these fucking men. Listen, enough with the fucking shadows ready. You don't need to name the entire fucking Twitter universe. No, these are people who give a shit these? about me. Remember before you said, somebody's going to give a shit about you. Well, these people do. The show's not about you. It's about me. <laughs> but these fucking masks. Yes. You laugh, laugh about my fucking needing hearing aids. I am so fucked with these masks. I can't hear shit. No, they're pretty. You try to talk to these people behind the fucking the glass partition, uh huh, and with the fucking mask on. So I, I depend a little bit on, like I told you, reading lips. This I'm fucked. Like <laughs> <laughs> the good thing, the good thing about the mask is somebody could be doing something fucking stupid, and I can go, "You dumb motherfucker," and I can actually say it. 
but they can't see That's right. So I can kind of get away with a little bit more than I used to. This is true. This is see, There's pros and cons to the mask. Mostly cons, but yes, I'm doing my part. I'm not a complete. Hey, kid. at the end get of the day, the stay safe. Do your thing. This will all be over at some point in time. We can all move back on to life. That's it. These these, these people are, are probably getting tired of hearing you and I. So let, let's just go to the close. You ready? Just say goodbye. Fuck it. They don't need to do it for goddamn fucking close. I'm just. Uh, we didn't even do an open. No, fuck it. Just close. Fuck. Well, it. here's Done. the. <laughs> I felt bad about not doing an open, so I figured we should let's do a close. We're supposed to be doing what the other professional podcasts do. We're supposed to be doing what they do, right? We're supposed to be doing a lot of things, apparently, that we don't do. Doesn't exactly work out that way with us. Guys, thank you so much for listening to False Finish. For Mikey Whipwreck, I'm Mike Freeland. Catch you next week. Ah, fuck off. The world of NLW Radio never stops. <laughs> <laughs>